Good morning, everybody. David Bozell here, your conductor for America on the job. Never giving the left a free day. Joe Biden's poll numbers are disgusting. Disgusting, <laughs> disgusting, disgusting. I mean, no wonder, no wonder you had a bunch of Democrats coming out to the New York Times over the weekend saying that he was old, too old. <laughs> but she's an she's old too lady. old. I mean, look at her. She's old. You can't just take her stuff. She's too old. And Joe Biden's too old. That's Axel Rye. He said it was going to be a major issue in 2024. If he ran again, he'd be in his low 80s, Biden, by then. Um, and, and of course, you know, some guys came to his defense in that same New York Times piece. Uh, so of course, he's going to run vibrant, all those things. Um, but the reason why they're coming out, right, against the on the age issue is politely <laughs> trying to be passive aggressive and tell him, uh, dude, you've got a 33% approval rating. 33. I mean, that is bottom of the barrel bottom of the toilet stuff uh, in the latest Quinnipiac poll, which, um, you know, not exactly, you know, robust conservative polling coming out of Quinnipiac University. 33% approval. He has a disapproval with young adults, this is Biden, with young adults of 54 to 22. 54% of young adults, adults disapprove of him. 54 that was supposed to be, I mean, according to a lot of the Democrat rhetoric, you know, young people carried the day for, you know, young people were, you know, responsible for the 81 million people. Okay. Mail-in college voters, right? That's what they said. 58% of Hispanics disapprove of Biden. Um, you're just not going to get much lower than 33%. So re- remember when Trump, remember when Trump would tweet out, uh, from time to time, he would say, uh, uh, thank you, Republicans. Uh, 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 I'm honored to get a 98% approval rating from you. And it, you know, it was a little, didn't really know what to make of it other than you know, Trump being braggadocious Trump, and that was fine and funny. Um, but the underlying political point was that he had his base, which in the modern political era you need. You can't win without it. Um, so he kept, you know, bragging that he had these high 90% approval ratings, uh, among Republicans. Trump did in this Quinnipiac poll, uh, Biden is down to 73 with Democrats, which, you know, still, uh, you know, for those of us who are not Democrats is still is kind of a head scratcher, but, but still that's a quarter, more than a quarter of all Democrats, one out of every four Democrats disapprove of what he's doing. Okay, even he's underwater with white people with college degrees, four-year college degrees he's underwater, which have been trending liberal for some time now. So I'm a white guy with a four-year college degree. I mean, that would put me in that camp for sure in terms of disapproval. Um. But they've been trying that that demo has been trending liberal for a long, long time, kind of the woke demo. Um, he's basically split with blacks, forty five, forty five. It's not a great number. 
68% of Hispanic adults disapprove of what of what Biden's doing. Uh, 58% of Hispanics overall. So, what do you do, right? What do you what do you do? What's the political climate here? You know, they're trying to distract with J6 stuff, um, and we get all that, right? So you just sort of ignore all that stuff and understand what it is that they're trying to do, which is basically to save him. They're trying to save Biden, trying to make sure that you don't know that three-quarters of Americans can't stand him, don't approve of what he's doing on a day-to-day. Three-quarters, that's three out of every four. I mean, just you walk a hundred miles from any direction to any direction, find a hundred people, 75 of them, 75% of them, yeah, maybe not that much, but six out of 10, seven out of 10 are going to, are going to, can't stand Joe Biden right now. So he has no bully pulpit, right? He has no, he has none of the inherent political advantages that our president, particularly in the modern digital era might have, right? He's not in control of his digital operations. He doesn't tweet his on his own. He's not authentic. Like at least Trump's, you knew, even though maybe Scavino was doing it, you knew it was Trump's words or Trump's dictation. Okay. So he doesn't have a, a direct, you know, pipeline access to the country. Um, a lot of the networks just barely cover him because he's a gaff machine, right? He can't give a major address without fumbling on his words or fumbling on his message and then having to backtrack on it. His handlers having to to backtrack on what he had said. Um, so. He does not have the normal political, you know, inherent political advantages that a that a White House would have, right? Which is really the bully pulpit. You get you get to control the narrative, so it's an opportunity. It's wide open. It's wide open. So what do you do if you're the Republicans, particularly in the House, right? You're you're more than likely going to have a sizable majority if you play your cards right. You continue to be aggressive. You continue to paint. paint paint with bold colors and you continue to tell the country what it is that you're going to do. But what do you do on day one? So I want to give some suggestions to the Republicans for day one, particularly in the House. So I think you have to have two things in mind right out of the gates from day one. Number one is energy. Okay. So, uh, but, but on the macro, right, I, 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 I've gone back to this over and over again, but Stephanie Cutter, she's a former communications director for the Obama campaign. Months and months ago, she said something that I just, it still sticks with me. She said, we can't, it was, it was smart, smart observation. And she understood what the, the, the severity, of what, uh, severity of what she was saying politically for her and her party. She said, we cannot, we cannot allow the Republicans to be the party of parents. This was either right before Yunkin's win or right after. We cannot allow the Republican Party to be the party of parents. That's, what's, that's what Cutter said. So if I'm the Republicans, I'm going to lean into that. Okay, so everything that I do 
is under the umbrella of we got to do this to be the party of parents. We got to do this for parents. Okay, so number one is energy, right? You're not going to be able to raise a family and do the types of things that parents need to do to raise a family without sustain, you know, without cheap energy. We've got it. It's right under our nose. So the House Republicans pass a law, many laws, however many it takes, to unleash the American energy sector. Again, recoup your constitutional responsibilities here, guys. All right? Stop ceding your job to the executive branch. Okay? Start sticking your chest out as a co-equal branch of government. Unleash the United States energy sector through de- deregulation uh you know stop stop allowing biden to control the mechanisms of our economy through executive order so pass the law opening up the keystone pipeline get it done get it done stop allowing the executive branch to play games with this thing now you know those things aren't going to necessarily provide benefits for a couple of years because we're so far underwater here. Um, but it sends you know, the obvious signal to the country and internationally that we're not playing games. We take our energy resources seriously. We're going to be using them and, 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 and refining them, uh, you know, using Americans to fill these American jobs and provide energy to Americans, okay? So you can call it the Energy Bill of Rights. Okay, American energy resources produced and refined by Americans for Americans. Throw that out there. That's day one. Also, day one is the border. Okay, so the border needs to be put on war footing. Right, we've got a major, major fentanyl crisis, a major, major human trafficking crisis going on. It's obvious, that, and again, Biden's is at 33%. You don't need to even ask his opinion, okay? You don't. No one cares. You don't need to negotiate with him. You pass what you want to pass, okay? And you sit there, arms folded, and said, I, I dare you to veto it. Remember, six to seven Americans out of 10 can't stand them right now. You pass what you want to pass, cross your arms, and you dare them to veto. So you go down to the border and you say, look, okay, we are going to flood the border. We're going to, we're going to put the border on war footing, okay? Physical barriers, surveillance towers, planes, helicopters, mobile surveillance equipment, patrol boats, dog teams, agents, everything you can find, everything you can throw at it. Now, a lot of these tech, particularly in Texas, they don't have the infrastructure to even deal with the influx of people that that might entail. So it'll take some time. Again, but it's a signal. You're, you're going you're gonna to do this for parents. Okay? That's number two, the border. And then you've got, well, just one more thing on the border. You've got, you know, you've got constitutional backing here. I love what the Center for Renewing America, Russ Vought and Ken Cuccinelli wrote 
the constitutional basis for state action to counter Washington's dereliction of duty, um, known as the Guarantee Clause, Article 4, Section 4 of the Constitution states, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a Republican, Republican form of government and shall protect each of them from invasion. And on application of the legislature or of the executive, when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. So, you're going to convene. Okay, you're going to use this as your as your muse. Um, Cuccinelli continues, he said, Therefore, governors, attorney generals, and state legislatures must take emergency measures beyond the scope of what has been attempted to this point to follow through on the primary function of government protecting its citizens. So they're absolutely right. Ken and Russ are absolutely right. So you get aggressive, you put the you put the uh you put the border on war funding war footing. All right, with those two things passed, uh then you turn to education. All right, and we'll get into the details of that in, in further programs, but the federal education system is a disaster. Okay, we're no longer teaching arithmetic and ABCs and those types of things. You see it all over your feeds about the kinds of priorities that a lot of these teachers are bringing into the classroom. Okay, a lot of sexualization going on, and that's to put it mildly. I'm being nice when I say that. All right, so uh, uh, a reimagining of of public education, of youth education needs to take place. And we'll get into those details. But those are the three things. Under the rubric of be the party of parents and you'll win. And not only will you win, but the country will give you a standing ovation. And then you tell the Senate, okay, who is not going to, who, because they're there for, for a whole host of reasons. And we all know what those are, not to mention, including age. These guys are just slow on the, slow, slow to the eight ball here, slow to the drop. All right, they can't get their acts together. They have no agenda. So you tell the Senate, it's like, look, this is our agenda. This is our day one. We're passing it. Boom, here's your energy bill. Here's your border bill. All right, don't come back to us unless we get 75% of what we want. All right, we understand that you guys, you know, march to the beat of your own drummer. Um, but we're the party of parents here. And let the Senate just like totally twist in the wind. They, you know, they'll, they'll speak Washington speak and, and people won't have patience for it. Again, put your house on war footing, your, the House of Representative, Representatives on war footing. You're going to be an advocate, an issue advocate for parents. You're going to reclaim your, your, your status as a co-equal branch of government. And on day one, you're going to focus on energy and the border. And then right behind it is going to be the education system. And you tell the Senate, like, you know, this is, this is our time now. Okay. Then you tell Biden when he starts to, look, he doesn't have a bully pulpit to defend himself. He doesn't have a bully pulpit to attack your policies. He doesn't even have, I mean, as the New York Times article reveals, he's starting to to lose the confidence of important surrogates. 
they're not going to stick around for this. I guarantee you they're not going to stick around for this. Oh, they'll try to advocate for a different policy, but they know that basically what they've tried is, has already failed, A, and then B, um, rather than admit failure, they'll blame Biden. So he's done. He's done, he's done, he's done. He's not worth the paper his name is printed on. It's over for him. There's no, there's no coming back. There's no reclamation project. There's no, there's no great comeback in the story of Joe Biden. None at all. All right? So it's your opportunity, Republicans. Day one. Put, this, put the border on war footing. Open the floodgates of, of United States energy. Okay? Pass those things. Don't play games. Don't make the mistake that Ryan made. We just waited for the... For, he just let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Waited and waited and waited. They had no momentum. They got picked apart. Not that he really wanted to do anything anyway when when he was Speaker of the House. So there's that. But you understand the point. Biden is a lame duck. The Republicans hold the cards. It's up to them to want to play him. 